Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be always, to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. This is word of God. Hi, MP. <laughs> um, if you can keep your Bibles open to chapter 4 of Galatians as we go through, that would be great. Um, and just to say, really, it's a, you know, last week we went through, uh, we're going through the, the series uh, through Galatians. And uh, one of the nice things about going through a whole book like this is that I get to preach on the rich uh, imagery uh, that was given last week uh, on adoption and grace and things like that. Uh, but then also we get uh, challenging uh, texts like uh, today's text that talks about uh, the pastor's relationship with the, with the church. So uh, let's pray that God will speak uh, to all of us through this passage. Lord, we thank you so much that um, the, your scripture, um, the scripture equips us uh, for all acts of uh, service. Uh, and Lord, we, that every part is inspired and every part will equip us and serve us. And Lord, we pray that you will speak uh, through uh, this passage uh, this, this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. I often people uh, hear people complain about Paul. Um, I heard this even just a few weeks back. I really like Jesus, but I don't really like Paul. Some disagree with what Paul has to say. His teachings, teachings maybe on uh, women in the church um, or on homosexuality or whatever it is. Some people don't seem to like just Paul's personality. Jesus seems so warm, loving and kind and compassionate. And Paul seems strict um, and intolerant. But when Paul gets personal, like he does in this letter, we get a glimpse of what kind of a person he was. And we find that he is this compassionate and loving person. So we get to learn something about Paul. But through this text, more importantly, I think we get to learn about what, how the church should relate to the pastor, the pastor should relate to the church, and how the church should relate to each other. First, um, Let's talk about how Paul got there. Paul says he got to Galatia by an accident. He fell sick on his trip to somewhere else, and he had to spend time there in Galatia. And Paul, being Paul, uses every, he uses every opportunity. He uses sickness to preach the gospel where he was. And the Galatians became Christians then. No one knows what the illness was, um, but it was serious enough that Paul was a burden to the Galatians. Verse 14, even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. And they could have treated him badly. I mean, his illness was a burden to them. And not only was the illness a burden, but um, we know from other places that Paul was not uh, uh, above average in looks. 
um, it wasn't just his looks. We know, uh, once again, that uh, his speaking ability, he was not a powerful speaker. He wrote powerfully, but he did not speak powerfully. He didn't come with recommendations from other people either. Famous people who endorsed him and said, this is a person that you should listen to. No, he came with no endorsement. He came by himself. And yet, despite all of that, the Galatians treated him well. Verse 14, you welcomed me as, a, as if I were an angel of God, as if, as if I were Christ, Jesus himself. You would have given your eyes for me if you could have, he says in verse 15. Well, why did the Galatian church treat Paul well with such love? It was because. It wasn't because of his looks. It wasn't because of his ability. It wasn't because of um, uh, um, uh, outward appearance. It was because of the message. It says in verse 14 that they treated him as an angel of God. I mean, that word angel in Greek is the same word as messenger. He came as a messenger of God. What they, when they heard Paul preach, they recognized that the message was from God. That Paul was a messenger of God. So they came and welcomed, uh, when Paul came, they welcomed Paul as a messenger of God, as if he were Christ Jesus himself. And that is how it's supposed to be. That is how it's supposed to be. You remember what Jesus said about the apostles um, as uh, he sent them out two by two in Matthew 10. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who, is, who welcomes me welcomes also the one who sent me. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. The Galatians did exactly that. They recognized that Paul carried God's message, that, and then they welcomed him as the apostle of Christ that he is. And there certainly, I think, is a lot here to learn about how the church should be treating their pastors. And before I say anything else, let me first say a couple of things. One is that I am not complaining in any way about how you have treated me or anything like that. I don't ever, I don't feel disrespected or ill-treated despite my inexperience and uh, many faults. Um, you have treated me with utmost love and, and, and respect that I don't think that I deserve. So thank you. Now, secondly, I should also mention that apostles are not the same as pastors. Uh, a pastor's words shouldn't be treated like apostles' words. In fact, so it's okay for you to disagree with me, especially with the Bible at hand, and say, actually, what you said isn't quite what Scripture teaches. That's what I need to hear from you as well. We all sit under the authority of Scripture together. We sit under the authority of God together. But nonetheless, I think there are a few lessons that we could learn um, first is about how not to judge a pastor. The Galatians did not judge Paul by his appearance or even by his eloquence, and we should neither. It's very, very easy to make up your mind about the leader uh, in the front by how they dress or how they speak, um, how, how uh, the, the, the aura of success or which school they went or what accent they, they have or by all these different superficial means. The Galatians did not judge Paul by, that, by those standards and we should not judge our pastors um, either by those standards. What we should be looking for 
What we should be asking the pastor to be doing is to be faithful to the scripture, faithful to the teaching of God from here. First and foremost, we should be checking to see if he's teaching the Bible. Because whether you like the message that he gives in the front is in some ways irrelevant. You like it or not, it's irrelevant. It's God's word. Um, And as long as our pastors speak the truth of God's word, we should then honor him and we should support him in their ministry. And this is what the Galatians failed to do. Take a look at verse 16. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? You see, Paul had been utterly consistent in his ministry. He came and preached the gospel. He preached God's message, and he was consistent. He did not change. But at some point, the Galatians started, even though they received him with great joy, received the message with great joy at first, at some point, their attitude changed. They started not liking what Paul had to say. The truth made Paul now an enemy of Galatians. I suspect that if I continue to teach from Scripture, some of you at some point will not like what I have to say. It's because Scripture goes against, sometimes, against the wisdom of the world. And you might not like that. The scripture um, will go, uh, sometimes I'll I'll speak and I'll have to maybe correct your misunderstanding of the Bible. And you might not like that either. Or I might speak to your sin that you are committing and you might not like being corrected. In any of these things, you will not like it. But I pray that if the pastor then is faithful still in his teaching of the Bible, you will humbly then receive the message and submit to it that you might even welcome the pastor even as he corrects you and rebukes you since you recognize that the message is of Christ. It is from God. Humble submission to the biblical teaching through the pastor is how the church should relate to the pastor. But of course, this puts the pastor under great responsibility. Here, in the second half of our passage, we see how the pastor should be to the church. And um, look at what uh, Paul says about the Judaizers in verse 17. Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. What Paul is doing here is pointing to the motivation of the Judaizers, these teachers who have come into the church. He's saying that they are not interested actually in the well-being of the Galatians. They're not actually interested in telling them the truth of the gospel. They are zealous to win you over, he says. And that could easily be translated as they, they flatter you. They pander to you. They want to win you over, but for no good. They want to alienate the Galatians from Paul so that, he says, uh, so that you may, have, you may be zealous for them. They want to feed their own ego is what they're doing. They want the Galatians to follow them. They're more interested in gaining a following, gaining sort of this power over these people rather than for the people to follow God's truth. In other words, they're using the church for their own ego. And I can easily imagine how this might happen in a church setting like this. 
when pastors start their ministry, it's because they love God and they want other people to uh, come to know him, um, know God. But as they devote their time and life and energy, as, as they pour out um, their life um, uh, to the people, they might develop a following um, amongst the people. I, I, I dare say that maybe some of you might like me enough that you think you want to follow me. And that feels good. But that sort of adoration and loyalty, of course, can be very dangerous because they could easily become the motivation for ministry. The adoration or the following that they gain is what they then feed on. And that, that becomes a main motivation for ministry. And that was the problem with Judaizers. They're zealous for you so that you may be zealous for them, Paul says. So, do you know pastors like that? People who are interested in gaining a following. People who value loyalty over the truth. Uh, people who are interested in gaining sort of this influence and power over others rather than leading them to the truth. Perhaps one way to judge a pastor like this, whether a pastor is like this, is to see how he or she treats people who disagree with them. People who uh, correct them even. People who are even disloyal um, to them. What do they do? How do, how, how, how do they treat these people? Do they lash out? Do they belittle? Because then there we see are they, whether they're actually interested in getting people to the truth or if they're in it for themselves. Take a look then how Paul treats Galatians. Those who are no longer loyal to them. Right? He loves them. And it shows up in his language in verse 12. I plead with you, brothers and sisters. He wants them to come back to the truth. He loves them like a mother. Verse 19, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. And that is why he works so hard, um, 19 and so on. Uh, he says he'll go through the pains of childbirth again so that Christ, not Paul, not image of Paul, but so that Christ could be formed in each one of them. You see, that's the goal. He wants to form Christ in each one of the congregation. He says in verse 18, I want, I'm fine, it's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be, uh, to be so always, not just when I'm with you. That good purpose, is for them to be zealous for God, for Christ. In fact, he doesn't even want the Galatians to be attached to him, in a sense. Because he says, look, we want you to be, I want you to be zealous for good purpose, not uh, only when I'm with you. He wants them to continue on without him. He wants them to be able to continue on growing and being zealous for God without Paul. He doesn't want people to be dependent on him. I think that's a great test for any ministry and for any pastor to see what happens when he leaves that church. Will the congregation continue to grow in their zeal and love for Christ Jesus, or will they flounder? Were the people in the church fed baby food the entire time throughout the pastor's ministry, or did they get to eat solid food and grow in maturity so that they could minister to others? How dependent is the congregation to the minister? 
Well, if the church falls apart when the minister leaves, then the pastor has not done his job very well, has he? And that contrast couldn't be greater between Judaizers and Paul. The Judaizers use Galatians to feed his own, their own ego. Paul says he goes through the, he's willing to go through the pains of childbirth again, the second time, so that Christ will be formed in them. And of course, that's a, uh, this whole thing has been a great challenge for me, uh, not to care about my own prestige, for my motivation to be pure, to be concerned about the truth of Christ, whether, uh, then, then how I'm perceived by all of you, to work to form Christ in you, to love and serve at great pains, to form Christ in the church. And I'll try to do all of that. But also, as you look for, if you ever uh, have to look for a new pastor, uh, look for people, look for people like that. People who are more concerned to form Christ in you than themselves. And once again, I'm in no way comparing myself to uh, Paul, but I do think I know a little bit of what goes on, uh, what, what that pain that he's talking about uh, in verse 19 is about. The first ch- church I uh, ministered to uh, was as a divinity school student, uh, with a church with full of undergraduate students. Looking back, I really shouldn't have been anyone's pastor. I was not qualified in character or in knowledge. Uh, but I had that great privilege of spending this time week by week with uh, this small church of undergrads. And I loved those students. I-, I spent a lot of time with them. And now, one of my biggest joy, as I keep in touch with them through you know, Facebook and emails and whatever, uh, I hear the news of them continuing to serve Christ. Some of them who were actually uh, Sunday school teachers uh, back with me are still doing Sunday school. It brings me great joy uh, to see them that continue to serve God in this way. Uh, I see them uh, serving as youth leaders or, or uh, music leaders in their team. One's uh, going into ministry. It brings me great joy to see them continuing to strive to, uh, to, to, be, to, um, to be zealous for Christ. But unfortunately, there is the flip side of that too. I see some um, that I, uh, I, I minister to walk away from the church and from Christ. People uh, whose li- lifestyle uh, tells me that it's, it's, they've, they've lost their love and zeal uh, for Christ. And I, you know, when Paul says in verse 20, I, I wish I could be there with them to change my tone. I can sense what that's a bit like. I wish I could be there to tell them, to, to help them. And as I speak, I'm sure some of that resonates uh, with you too, because you too have felt this way. I think especially if you're a parent, you have worked so hard to share Christ with your children. Above all else, because you know that this is the most important thing above uh, uh, how, they, uh, how they do in school and whatever else, you sought to form Christ in them. You read the Bible with them, you prayed with them, you had these family uh, Bible studies uh, with your children. But as you, uh, the children, uh, they have their own minds, and as they grow older, they do their own thing. And the same truth that they once accepted now 
angers them even um, because they have walked away from, uh, from faith. I know the pain that many parents here even have felt. And it's not just the parents either. If you are a Sunday school teacher or Lynx group leader or youth volunteer or people who just read the Bible one-to-one with another person or, or have cared about another person's spiritual life in any way, you also know how this feels. It meant that you prayed for them, spent time with them, uh, answered their questions. Uh, but then you see them walking away. You see them losing their faith. And you feel that pain um, in you. It's because we love them. And this is the thing. That feeling, in a way, should be known by all of us. Because this is all our responsibility, not just the pastor's. Yes, it is true that the pastors are set apart to minister full-time, to teach faithfully and to guide the church in the right direction. But if he's a good pastor, then he doesn't keep the congregation attached to him as babies. As we've seen, the pastors works to form Christ in each one person so that they might minister to each other. He equips the congregation to read the Bible and apply it to themselves, by themselves, so that there could be Sunday school teachers and youth leaders um, uh, and parents who will disciple and teach others. Here's the thing. All Christians have been set apart as priests. This is what Peter says in Second Peter. Peter talks about being a nation of priests. You are a, a, a chosen race of royal priesthood. And you have been set apart by your baptism. If you are baptized, you are ordained as a minister in God's church. And your job is to serve each other and the world. One of our duties is to seek to form Christ in each other. And let me tell you, that's the only way any church could ever work. When we all do this, Paul describes the role of the pastor in this way, in Ephesians It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the works of service so that body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in faith and the knowledge of Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. My job is to teach and prepare you for your works of of service. And when I do that, when you grow up in your faith as mature Christians, Paul will later say, the whole church, when it's speaking the truth in love to each other, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, Christ. You see, We, as a church, will only reach maturity if all of you speak the truth of God's word to each other, if you minister to one another. That's the only way a church will work. I love Shatin Church, and I love all of you, but I cannot do this work alone. It's just not possible to do this work alone, even now. I can think of many people who are not here today. People who might be backsliding. People who might be walking away from faith. People who are new to the church, who have interest, uh, who have shown their interest in Christianity, but, you know, no one had talked to them. No one had, no one approached them to read the Bible with them. So could I ask, when was the last time 
that you picked up the phone to another person who hasn't been to church in a while and said, are you okay? Can we go out for coffee? When was the last time you offered to meet somebody or visit somebody who was backsliding? Why not do that? I know that you have you lead busy lives. I, I understand. Maybe in your workplace, if you work in Central, get together with other people in Central. Over lunchtime, for half an hour, meet, open up the Bible and pray for one another. Encourage each other. Speak God's truth to one another. Only then will we reach maturity in Christ Jesus as a church together. Every time somebody gets baptized... Do you know you make a vow to help them? The pastor asks the church this question. Will you who witness these vows do, in, uh, uh, do all in your power to support these persons in their life in Christ? And each time we've baptized people, each time all of you have said, we will. And the question is, are we doing this? Are we doing it? If a pastor, if the pastor is faithful in his teaching to the scripture, he will not be interested in gaining a personal following, uh, personal loyalty, personal glory. He will point away from himself to Christ, what Christ has done. He will seek to form Christ in each one of you. And when you have found pastors like this, you ought to honor them. For their message is not from them, but it comes from Christ. They are messengers of Christ. And more importantly, listen to their teaching because Christ then will be formed in you. And as you grow in maturity, as Christ is being formed in you, we ought to then serve one another. We ought to be people who speak the truth of God's word to each other in love. And that's what the church is about. Each one of us ought to seek Christ to be formed in the people next to you. People in the church. So can you imagine a church like that? But all of the body, every member of the body is doing this. They're growing in maturity and speaking the truth of God's word to each other. Can you imagine a church like that? And can we be a church like that? Let's pray. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks uh, for the past leaders in our life, uh, in our lives that you have placed, um, who pointed us to your son, Jesus. And we thank you that through their ministries, uh, Christ um, has been formed in each one of us. And now help us to do our part of speaking the truth in love to each other that all of us might grow together in maturity, that no one will be lost, that more people will be found uh, to be your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.